There's nothing worth more than can ever come close. Up there on the mountain, we will come speaking English and we will gather together for worship. And somehow, because it's happened every time, as we enter into this time of praising and praying God, though when I'm speaking, they don't know the language. When they are singing, I don't know the language. My whole group, every one of us together with all of those African Christians will feel the Holy Spirit of God. We will feel the presence of God and we will know we are children together. It happens every time. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I think one of the things uh, to notice about the sudden outpouring of God's Spirit, God's gracious presence, which we were uh, singing for, Uh, on the day of Pentecost, is that it's a very inclusive and and very public event. Uh, Unlike other moments when uh, in the Scriptures when God's Holy Spirit shows up in a powerful way, for instance, at Jesus' baptism, uh, and the voice uh, comes from heaven, this is my Son, my Beloved, listen to Him. Or uh, the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John are present, but the others are not, to see this mystical vision uh, of God's presence in Christ and Moses and Elijah. Uh, here at Pentecost, God's Spirit appears to everyone. Everyone is included in this outpouring. The tongues of fire come to rest on each and every one of the people who were gathered there on that day. And uh, soon following, a uh, crowd gathers outside, surging forward, because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. And just to make sure that we don't miss the point, Luke lists all of the nations of the Greco-Roman diaspora uh, who were represented there that day, which is also why uh, Morgan endeavored uh, to take up one of the most dreaded uh, lectionary texts of the year. You know, all those names. Uh, everybody worries if they're going to say them correctly. Our advice is always just say it like you know, because nobody else knows either, for sure. Uh, so thanks uh, for taking that on, Morgan. Uh, what happened at Pentecost, in other words, was no kind of mystical, personal uh, experience of the Holy Spirit. It was an outpouring of God's energy that touched every life that was present. Uh, in other words, from the beginning, we could say that this Christian life is intended to be lived out uh, in community and in public. There was Peter in front of everybody uh, speaking to a crowd of people in public. Of course, this is the same one who denied that he even knew Jesus in front of a single servant girl out in the courtyard next to a campfire prior to the crucifixion. This Peter is now out there preaching about Jesus to a crowd in Jerusalem. And whether or not it was the best sermon Peter ever preached, it was certainly effective. It only lasted a few minutes but about 
3,000 people came to faith that day, we are told. The Holy Spirit was given to what was Peter who had to be uh, described as a, an ordinary person, a fisherman, uh, who had been afraid to say that he even knew Jesus just a short while ago. And this Spirit made it possible for Peter to take his faith public. So maybe you thought it was all about going to seminary. The people who speak God's gracious word to the world should be theologically trained. They should be exposed to some Greek and some Hebrew, if not also some Latin, and uh, deeply immersed in the, in the theological dogmas of the church. But if people like Peter and the other ordinary followers of Jesus are called and equipped to uh, proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand in this world, then most certainly uh, the same is true for us. So you might find yourself on the phone with somebody who's just down on their luck in one way or another, and you're wondering, what on earth do I say to someone like this? How can I be helpful? How can I be encouraging? You know, we did a whole series on this several years ago during our summer evening worship services where we entitled this series, uh, Stuff Christians Say. You know, those cliches, like God will never give you more than you can handle. You know, stuff just spills out of us, and then unless you sort of unpack it and start to think about what you're actually saying, that God gives you terrible stuff to handle. Just a little below what you couldn't possibly even stand. This is not probably the message that is most helpful. So we worry and wonder if we are equipped to say anything. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That doesn't ring as radically a boundary crossing in our ear as it should. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This church has only ordained women for less than 50 years. 50 years! Your sons and your daughters will speak God's word to the world. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Or you, you encounter somebody who's struggling with an illness, got some bad news. We have a couple of friends that have recently gotten some difficult news about their health and you wonder, am I equipped to say, what should I say? Am I capable? Am I Qualified, Am I empowered to speak something of God's grace into someone's life who is suffering or struggling? And again we hear, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. They will prophesy. That's what Pentecost is about as much as it is about anybody speaking from a pulpit. It's the very public speech of ordinary people like us who find ourselves sharing with others because even though we don't know how we're going to do it, the Holy Spirit descends and equips and empowers and is present through us. 
This is what the prophet Joel meant when he said that in former days God's word was given only to prophets, a few charismatic leader types who managed to speak up for God. But he went on that a day would come when God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young shall see visions, and your old shall dream dreams. A couple of weeks ago, I was at the annual gathering of senior pastors of large Lutheran congregations, uh, and the keynote speaker was uh, an author, a, a church uh, expert, a pastor, uh, his name is Dr. Reggie McNeil, and he was great. I learned a ton from him. It was great connecting with uh, colleagues that I've known for quite a while, but also meeting some new folks. Uh, and Reggie McNeil's kind of theme that he echoed throughout his talks at the conference was imagine the confidence that God has. Imagine the confidence that God has to make you part of God's church at this time and in this place. In the kingdom of God, everybody is called to share the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand because the community of faith is a place where the power to speak it belongs to all of us, not just a few. Jesus had been preparing his followers and empowering them throughout his entire ministry, really. And that continued after his death and resurrection. We are, we, we continue to see that he continues his teaching and preparation. A couple of weeks ago, I read a short piece about joy. It's all about joy was kind of the refrain. Uh, the fact that Jesus came so that our, we might have joy and that our joy may be complete. It was written by uh, a United Church of Christ pastor, uh, seminary professor, Mary Ludi. Uh, in a devotion, another devotional she wrote entitled Nothing New, I thought just lovely the way it kind of um, wrestles with this theme uh, here in the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, so I wanted to share part of uh, her, her devotional, Nothing New. She's really dealing with uh, uh, how Jesus uh, continued to teach his followers uh, after the resurrection, after he had been raised from the dead, uh, Mary Ludi writes, 40 days, the risen Jesus could have used that time to tell his disciples what it was like being entombed in airless rock or with what divine mechanism the angels rolled away the stone or how he felt when he saw Mary in the garden alone. Jesus could have explained to them the odd physics of walking through walls, divulge where he got the fish he fried for them on the beach that morning, help them understand why a glorious body still bore awful wounds. He could have addressed post-ascension practicalities, equipped them with doctrines, vision statements, and achievable goals for the early church. He could have imparted all kinds of goose-bumpy new things, revelations and secrets from beyond the grave. But no, here Jesus is, a new creation, fresh from God's morning, 
yet not a single new topic comes out of his mouth. He's still talking about what he talked about pre-crucifixion at the lake shore, on the mount, in the temple precincts, at Capernaum, on the road to everywhere. He spoke to them of the kingdom of God, of debts cleared by mercy, small things of infinite worth, mighty things reduced to dust, broken bread instead of broken bodies, tiny sparrows, counted hairs, banished demons, truth declared to tyrants, put away swords, found sheep, found coins, found children, a hidden way inside, a buried pearl, living water, branches and vine. Even suffused with eternal light, one foot in heaven, it's all Jesus can think of to tell them. For 40 days and forever, the kingdom of God. For 40 days and forever, would that it were all we too could think to tell the world. In just a few weeks, a group of 10 of us will make the latest vision trip to Tanzania. Preparations have all been made and we're getting ready to go there where we'll be received and hosted by our Lutheran partners in ministry and outreach in that impoverished and holy place. And we'll gather for worship on that first Sunday a few weeks from now and up on the lower slopes of Kilimanjaro at Nkwesho Lutheran Church. And though in Tanzania there are 120 different tribes, and each tribe has its own unique and distinct language, so that the Pari tribe are not able to speak to the Maasai, uh, who are not able to speak to the Chaga. There are distinct languages that separate them one from another. And up there on the mountain, we will come speaking English and we will gather together for worship. And somehow, because it's happened every time, as we enter into this time of praising and praying God, though when I'm speaking, they don't know the language. When they are singing, I don't know the language. My whole group, every one of us together with all of those African Christians will feel the Holy Spirit of God. We will feel the presence of God and we will know we are children together. It happens every time. One of my uh, favorite uh, people. He died a few years ago, and all of my uh, visits to Tanzania was a man named Murrow. That's Murrow on the left in the blue. I always called him Mr. Murrow. He was kind of a scruffy-looking character and a, kind of a quiet guy, but he had a dry sense of humor, and uh, he was uh, a rock star on that mountain. He was a palliative care nurse and he visited uh, upwards of 1,300 patients, if you can imagine, all the way up and around the small villages and remote locations on the side of Mount Kilimanjaro. People who were far too ill to make the trek back to our Lutheran hospital there, Machame Lutheran Hospital. And Murrow knew where they all were and would visit them. And going with him on some of those visits was like being in the presence of Jesus when, when he appeared, how much he meant to those uh, suffering folks 
in little huts across that mountainside. And Merle's got no theological training, uh, but he comes as a representative of the church of the Lutheran Hospital and provides some care and comfort. And one visit in particular sticks with me out of dozens I've been blessed to make with Merle over the years. We visited a 103-year-old woman. I've written about it and mentioned it before in a little shack. This is where she lived. 103 years old. She was struggling with the end stages of cancer. And we went, ducked and went into this dark, uh, smoky shack. There was a little charcoal fire smoldering in the corner, really just on the dirt floor. There was no chimney or anything. You can see the smoke just kind of leaked out through the cracks in the house. And after... A hundred years, I suppose, in that shack of that smoldering charcoal fire, it was, everything was sort of black with the soot from that and smelled like that. And I sat in the corner on a kind of a log, and the woman sat across the room, and Murrow tended to her and cared for her. And she was so blessed by his ministry, his presence. And at some point, Murrow shared with the woman that I was Mchungaji, I was a pastor, and she, she, she lit up and she called me over to herself and she began to put her hands on my face and on my head and praying blessings upon me in her native tribal language, whichever of the 120 different languages that might have been. And you, uh, you could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Murrow's ministry, in the ministry of this hundred and three-year-old dying Tanzanian woman uh, who really could be less equipped to do something so transformative as to bless some stranger that appeared in your home. Uh, And this, I think, is Pentecost. Always connecting us one to another, breaking down the barriers that keep us apart. So the old and the young shall prophesy, the male and the female, the servant and the king. All of these divisions that keep people apart, the resident from the illegal alien. And these walls fall and we look at each other and we recognize we're in the same family. We are all together God's children. So we sing and we pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit all the while this Spirit comes and calls us together and sends us out as God's children, each of us equipped, called, and empowered with good news. And we can be so thankful that we are those who are sent out with good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. I don't know if you, any of you watched the uh, royal wedding. A few of you. I did not. Uh, but I, I later clicked on the link of the uh, African-American Episcopal bishop who's, who's one way or another, uh, I said a, a, a preacher in, infiltrated that that ostentatious uh, royal wedding. They <laughs> invited him in, and he preached the gospel. Uh, and so you should listen to it, because he spoke of love, 
and fire. Uh, that's Pentecost. Uh, and he shared the good news. We are sent not with a threat or a condemnation, but with good news. Uh, sometimes we need to hear that good news, and uh, we should be prepared to hear it from the most unlikely places. Perhaps even a 103-year-old dying woman in some smoky shack on the side of a mountain a uh, million miles from here. So, uh, as we come forward, we receive this host uh, and we hear these words, my body given for you, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. You see, that's the final barrier that is broken, the forgiveness of your sin, uh, so we can look at each other and see uh, together we are God's children. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. 